Hello and welcome back to Take 10 for Men, 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health and support their mates. My name is Sophia Hatzis, I'm the host of the show, and today I'm speaking to founder of Heart on My Sleeve, Mitch Wallace. On the outside, it looked like Mitch was killing it. He was flying all over the world for work. He had a high-flying, high-pressure corporate job, but behind the scenes, he was experiencing his own mental health struggles. Today, Mitch is the founder of Heart on My Sleeve, a mental health movement which empowers people to be real about how they feel. I absolutely loved this chat and I hope you do too. Please make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and leave a review if you love it. But most importantly, enjoy the chat. We're ready to go. You ready to start? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Mitch Wallace, welcome to Take 10 for Men, 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health and support their mates. How are you today? I'm doing very good, So Thank you very much for having me. And thank you also for advocating for this incredibly worthwhile message. I wanted to ask you, um, the first thing I asked actually when I said, how are you? I would love to know if you could rate how you are on a scale of one to 10, so one being the worst, worst of days and 10 being the highest of highs, where would you sit on that scale today? So I'd be a seven today. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm so glad that you used that example unprompted because at heart of my sleeve, it's actually one of the techniques that we teach people rather than just asking, how are you? Are you okay? Because that can often be considered this pleasantry, polite exchange versus a meaningful dialogue that actually wants an answer. Um, And because humans feel more comfortable with numbers than they do feelings a lot of the time, you can actually Trojan horse, a bit of a sneaky way, but a good sneaky, you can Trojan horse into a quite a deep discussion if you start with a number. Because no matter what I said, you, you will have the opportunity to say, oh, okay, like why seven, why two, why 10, why one? Uh, any day that I'm not where I have been in my life previously, which is rock bottom, completely debilitated and overwhelmed with emotion, the, I'm a 10. If I'm not there, life is 10. Um, and often when I give my talks, I always say that if, if you have peace in your life, you are in a privileged position because when you're hurting, you don't want for anything. You just want to be rid of something. You want to be rid of pain. Um, so if, if, if I, if my life isn't going well in like career material aspects, whatever, um, I'm still always so happy that I'm not in the dark space that I was in terms of answering it directly. I'm a seven because I've been working really hard this week on a bunch of programs. And one of my triggers is sustained thinking without enough downtime, which I think most people's are. And uh, I can usually feel in the morning how the day is going to be mood wise. And I woke up this morning and I was just feeling a little not myself but uh, I'm going to change my number to an eight, if that's okay. You know, you've told your story many, many times. And to anyone who, who wants to watch and hear about your story, you have an amazing seven-minute documentary on your story on your website. Um, so I'll leave the link when this goes live. But I think it's important when we talk about mental health to not just talk about 
the strategies and prevention, but to actually talk about what those acute feelings of distress actually feel like, because some people might be experiencing depression or anxiety or OCD and actually not know. So you have experienced acute anxiety since you were very little, since you were a child. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what anxiety looks, feels like to you? There's a myth, I think, that the media has perpetuated that anxiety is sweaty palms, rapid heartbeat, dry mouth and all the rest of it. Um, as someone who has had a lifelong relationship with it, even with panic disorder, less than 5% of the time it manifests in aggressive physical symptoms. Anxiety is a thinking thing as much, if not way more than it is a physical. To me, it is ruminating to the point where you don't have control over how much you're thinking about something. So an analogy would be that there's a mark on the window and you're trying to wipe it off and it's just not going away. You just, it sticks and it sticks and it loops and it loops to the point where um, the thing that you're worried about happening, just the mere analysis or anxiety of it is actually proving to be more of an issue than if that thing arose in your actual life. And anxiety is this cunning little beast where you often get anxiety about anxiety. (laughs) So you'll start overthinking something And then you're like, fuck, I'm overthinking it. Now I'm anxious about my anxiety. Um, So for me, it manifests a lot in over sticking on aspects of my life in thought patterns that aren't good. And personally, I get quite um, a, a symptom called depersonalization where I don't feel in myself. I feel like everything's just slightly off um, and foreign. And can you tell me when you are experiencing those symptoms, I suppose you would say, what is it that helps take you out of that? Like what do you put into place immediately to sort of bring you out of that feeling of anxiety and to sort of bring you back to yourself? I'm actually writing a book on that because it'll take thousands of words to explain. There's like playbooks and toolkits and uh, millions of things. I would say my, my go-to things, uh, number one, connecting research in my psych degree showed and anecdotally in my life relationships and connection of any kind is the greatest coping tool that we have at our disposal because it helps you problem solve and see things from a different perspective sure but more than anything most of the time in life suffering is feeling alone it's not the actual problem so when we connect around it and we feel seen and understood and heard and cared about the same problem just becomes lighter So my go-to is who's my trusted people? There's an army of them ready and on standby at all points in time that I can come together with and know that it's going to be okay because um, I'm loved. Second thing would be for me, uh, journaling, what I would call like getting coherence. So if I feel out of control, writing something down and integrating my left and right brain by putting language to feelings really helps bring some calm and okay, this is what's Um, this is what's going on now. I feel like it's tangible and has edges. Another go-to strategy would be to change my chemistry, whether that be through eating something. If my blood sugar is really low, going for a run, doing a workout, having a nap. Sometimes it's just about getting your body in order. Um, There's a million other things, but they'd be my top three go-tos. 
I'm really curious about how men support their circle and support their mates. So can you give us an insight into how you support your friends? My whole life I was yearning for a male group of best friends, brothers, um, that I felt truly understood me and that I could be myself around. I'm incredibly grateful for any friend and all friends that I've ever had. Um, But getting out of high school, I kept being in this circle where it was not commonplace to be able to open up in the way that I was hoping I could. And the topics of discussion weren't about things that excited me, like entrepreneurship and making the world better and like whatever, how the family's doing and genuine curiosity and interest. It was very like talking about sports and shit like that, which is fine to some degree, but it's like, what are we doing here? And I think as you get older, it's, it becomes more important, I think, to, to create that depth. And in the last few years, um, I've always had the same best mate. In the last few years, I have now formed this group. And what I find really unique about it is a really genuine, proactive care. Like my mates will call me a couple times a week and be like, how are you? Is there anything I can do to make your week better? Something I would have said a couple of weeks ago that I just wanted to loop back on this and see where you are. Um, We're not afraid to be real with each other and we're not afraid to show each other we really give a fuck about each other. And I think that is cool. Sometimes men, I think, feel like the modern world is trying to emasculate them or to feminize them or whatever else. And I can understand why men might think that. In my view, that's not the goal. I want to be as masculine as I can possibly be. I want to go down and into a cave and beat my chest and yell and like all the stuff that um, a primitive man wants to do, I do and want to feel. I don't know if they want to be in caves. Maybe that's just me. But I think it's that that in the isolation of having the other side is where things go wrong. We're not asking for men to become something they're not. I think what we're asking for men to be is to round out the edges that are hurting themselves and other people. What are your top tips for managing your mental health? One huge one is uh, feeling like you have purpose in the world. And I think a lot of people struggle with purpose. When you believe that you're making a difference in the world, no matter how small, it is like a shield of Kevlar armour around you um, preventatively because when bad things happen, there's almost this esteem or buoyance that can come to life after you through things that might usually derail you. And, you know, I have the fortunate privilege of running a mental health charity full time and I do a lot of speaking in this space. I live and breathe um, allowing people to fight their demons and standing beside them. And that gives me huge joy. But um, purpose to me is service. So it's not how do I quit my job and start a charity? It doesn't need to be like that. It's how am I showing up in my little corner of the world and making people's lives better to my brother and sister, to my best friend, to my parents, um, to the fucking barista when I get my coffee? Am I asking how they are just because I want to get out of there and on my phone or am I asking them and listening? It's that little corner of the world where if you can be a good person, um, service is purpose, making other people's lives better. So get out of your own way and do good for others. It's a very powerful antidepressant. Another thing I would do preventatively is um, have a routine and structure in my life, um, particularly the way that I start and end my day. And even my work day, I have up into blocks. 
Um, so I think a sense of routine is really important. Other than the stuff I mentioned, so connection, coherence, chemistry, which is the kind of go-to reactive, uh, I would say that checking my thought patterns and um, preventatively making sure that uh, I both am uh, thinking of where I want to be, not the opposite, what I don't want to have, because that's going to attract in that, but also catching myself in the moments of, oh, I'm being ungrateful, I'm having an all or nothing mindset here, I'm complaining, I'm being a victim, and proactively bringing that back into a more healthy mindset before it trails off into something that's untrue, unhelpful and inaccurate. The last couple of questions I wanted to ask you, if you could think, because you went from like a high-flying, high-pressure career, flying all over the world, meeting all kinds of cool people, you know, living the dream in what someone might think is corporate success to start your own charity, which has purpose and changes people's lives every day. If you could pinpoint one thing, what's the greatest lesson that you have learned since you started Heart Honestly? Everyone wants to be understood. One, two, life's too short to not do something you're passionate about. Three, willpower only has so much gas uh, unless you know your why and you're pulled towards something, you'll run out of steam. Mitch, to finish off, what are you most grateful for today? I'm grateful for this interview and having discussions like this that need to come to light. So thank you so for holding space for that. I'm also grateful knowing that my family and friends are healthy and alive and happy. And there are many moments in the day like today where I will press pause and not take that for granted and just like take a breath in and almost do like a snapshot of like everything in this moment is good. And it might be bad in fucking four and a half minutes, but right now it's good. And I'm just going to take one breath to acknowledge that. I'm going to put it in my little piggy bank and I'm going to keep going.